0: It's important to have a goal and it's important to have a plan. Now, the goal never changes, but the plan must change because nothing ever stays the same and you need to be able to negotiate all the things that you come across in your journey to achieve that goal. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, hello, everyone. It's Bernadette and I am back for the last session that I will be doing on a Thursday at 12 o'clock for this year. And so over the last week, I've been, I guess, planning for 2023, but really also reflecting on this year. And it's been a pretty interesting year. And so the topic of this conversation is how to make 2023 truly transformational with renovating an Airbnb. And really what this is based on is like during the year we have, I have a lot of conversations with lots of renovators and oversee lots of projects. And so some of it's based on reflections on those conversations and so on. And yeah, some of it's just things that I have been thinking about for a while. And really it's about sharpening the act. They say that if you go down, go to chop a tree down, you should be spending most of your time, a lot of your time sharpening your axe so that when you actually go to get into action that you are more effective. And so that's what this episode is about. So 10 tips. So let's get into this now. So the first one is to keep your eye on the prize. And what I mean by that is is to really keep your overall goal front and center. Now, often when I'm talking to someone that's just getting started in renovating, they will come and often will have a project in mind to start. And the thing is, you really can't be even thinking about a property or a project until you're really clear on the thing that you're working towards. Now, some people want to replace their income from what they're doing now. Some want to have income for when they retire. But I think the majority of us at some point in time want to be able to rely on the income that we make from renovating and Airbnb and other property strategies And so that's really how I think it's best to look at it. Like I know you might just be renovating to make a bit of extra money, but on the long and the short of it is if you're playing a big game, then you're looking at renovating being a substantial income generator. And so as a result, you want to be really clear that the projects that you are doing are actually going to deliver the outcome. But by getting really clear about this, it prevents you from getting derailed and going down rabbit holes with projects that aren't going to serve you, aren't going to give you the outcome you want. But it also means that you at least have some of your strategy be around a long-term process or a long-term goal, because if you're just jumping from one project to the next looking at making chunks of money, you never really get that true wealth. And the reason why I go on about this a bit is because I did this for way too long because flipping is really exciting, and adrenaline driven. And it's really ironic that it's really not the smartest strategy. So I want you to be thinking more long-term and what can you be doing to really grow that long-term wealth. It's important to have a goal and it's important to have a plan. Now the goal never changes, but the plan must change because nothing ever stays the same and you need to be able to negotiate all the things that you come across in your journey to achieve that goal. So, that's the first point. Oh, and most importantly, have that written down, have that goal and the plan written down and somewhere highly visible. Like I think a vision board is a really good idea as well because it keeps you present to what you're really trying to work out, work at because like we all love the actual process and the creative process and the wallpaper and paint colours and all that. And that can take you away from what's important because that obsession with that creative process sort of takes over. So you want to make sure that you are indulging that need for creativity, but also making sure that you're delivering the outcome that you want. So the second one is become a feasibility fiend. Feasibility is the key to everything you do in renovating, in microdevelopment, in Airbnb. You've got to really work at building that skill because that is your ticket to your goal, okay? And so there's lots of steps in, in a feasibility and it's not something that you don't, you can't just switch on the turn on the switch. It's a skill that you grow. Okay. And just like a really good example of that is let's say you're looking at buying a property to list on Airbnb and it's going to be a destination property. One of the things about Airbnb at the moment is that there are some areas that are really saturated and the return is down and probably will continue to subside. And so just going on to AirDNA and looking up what they tell you you will earn is not enough because you're sort of working on historical data and you need to go be much more effective than that in your feasibility. You need to delve deeper. Yeah. And also when I say delve deeper in terms of finding a gap in the market. So don't just go somewhere where you know is popular, oh, it's a beachside, but really look at finding the gap in the market and being diligent with your feasibility. Things like setting up a test ad or test listing to make sure that you have explored all the viability of what you're planning to do. So the next one is get comfortable with talking about and thinking about money. Now, often as women get comfortable with talking about and focusing on money. So there's a saying that what you focus on grows. Okay. So if you're not talking about it, but you're hoping that it's going to turn up and you're going to be successful, then it's not an effective way of being. So you have to make your financial goals a priority and you really do need to be talking about them because you're creating energy around that goal and once that you bring that to the fore, magic happens. Now, it's not like you'll make the money without doing anything, but you talk to someone about what your goals and put it out there that then makes it common knowledge. You have people coming to help you. I just find it's much more effective if you can talk about it. But the other thing about it is that like as women, lots of us are quite, maybe not embarrassed, but feel a bit uncomfortable about maybe negotiating or just talking about money generally. But it's those little habits, the things that you do every day, that really moves the needle. And so you want the needle moving in a positive way. Now, a problem that we sometimes come up against is some people subscribe to the school of thinking that you get what you pay for. Now, in some ways that's true, but it's not a hard and fast rule. And so if you are someone who always goes, let's say you're looking at buying a piece of furniture or an appliance for your home, always goes for the most expensive because you believe that's the best then you are really going to struggle with making a profit from renovating. Because in renovating, you need to be able to deliver really good quality, but you need to be able to do it on a in a cost-effective way. So if your way of being is, I'll always buy the most expensive, because I know that's the best, it's not going to work. So what you do in your daily life will permeate your renovating and every other area of your life as well. So really thinking about what your habits are and your comfort with money and sometimes managing on less money is what's going to be your key to success. Now, this next one's almost a contradiction, but it is also an important fact. So, sometimes the opportunity in a project or in an initiative is not financial. Now, Working, you don't want to get into the habit of working for nothing. Lots of, you know, I know we have problems sometimes where someone's mindset might not be focused on money enough. But often when I'm testing something new, I will not be that focused on the money. I'm focused on the learning experience. And a really good example of this is there was a renovator who was offered a role to manage a renovation, someone else's renovation. And it was something that she wanted to do, but she turned it down because she didn't think there was enough money in it. Now, you need to be careful about this, but I personally have done this quite a few times when I've done something, knowing that there's not a huge amount of money in it, but because I know that I'm going to learn a heap out of that, that's going to enable me to fine tune it and make it better and then make it really profitable. So when you're learning, now you do have to balance this because you can't, I don't want anyone going into projects that don't have enough fat in them because that's a risk, but When you are learning, if you've got a situation where you can learn a strategy and it's not going to cost you anything, and it's just the matter of it might not be as profitable as you want it to be, I think that is gold because it adds another strategy to your repertoire and enables you to grow it to get to that next stage. I hope that makes sense. Okay. Okay. So the fifth one is learn to work your budget. This is another thing I've noticed that a lot of women aren't overly strong on. It is not hard to do and it just requires commitment. And if you are serious about making a profit from renovating ongoingly, you must be able to work the budget. Now, I want to just expand on that a tiny bit. So there's three stages in a budget. So the first one is the back of the envelope. So when you're first looking at a project, then you're going to do back of the envelope numbers. And but by the time you've bought the project, you should have converted that from a back of the envelope budget to a draft budget. So it should be reasonably comprehensive and complete. But that's not where it stays. Once you get the project bought, it turns into a working budget. So one of the ways I like to work at this is I get all my costs and quotes in for the job and then I go back to them and see what I can trim off them in order to produce more fat in the budget and by fat I mean buffer so your budget is always a work in motion and you do you might take a hit to your budget so then I'm going back and looking at what can I do to counteract that large expense that I wasn't anticipating we do have a contingency every project the contingency goes it's very rare that a project will come in with the contingency still in, intact because that's the nature of renovating the other thing that I think is really important is you want to go hard early okay so you notice on the block you know that all the contestants have run out of money and then they're going to their trades trying to get stuff done for nothing and so on I would not leave it until the end of the project I'd do it up front and try and get those quotes negotiated to enable you to have a decent buffer in the project Another thing that's important, like I like to keep my budgets really tight but have a decent buffer. And the reason I do that is because my, as Devin says to me all the time, why don't you have a fatter budget? Because I know that if I've got budget, it will get spent. So I keep it really tight because it makes me work harder for it. But then I also have that contingency in case, to make sure that I've got the money I need to finish the job because I'm not going to compromise the quality of the job because I've run out of money. So, I hope that's helpful. Oh, yes. So, go hard early, but monitor it. So, a budget's not something that you just set. It's something that you set and then you're adjusting all the way along as you go according to what's happening in the project you might get opportunities i'll give you a really good example i like a quite a few years ago i had this project and the joinery quotes i was using the same joiner that i'd used a lot and the joinery quotes just kept going up and up and up and i was up to around 20,000 and it was more than i'd budgeted i'd already paid the $1000 deposit but i had to i just abandoned it and found a good quality flat pack company that did it for about eight. So sometimes when things aren't going so well, then you'll have, you do need to take a different route. Okay. So the next one, this is a really important one. Oh, I should mention that I'm not delivering this like I do everything perfect. This is as much for me as it is for you. So don't feel like that I'm, yeah, preaching, which I probably am, but there you go. It's for both of us. Work on your confidence and mindset. One of the things that I see, particularly with women who have been the homemakers, is that their families still see them as the workhorse, the person that picks up all the slack, that drops everything when something goes wrong. And it makes it really, really hard to run a project like that if you've got a family that's fully dependent on you. Now, when your kids are little, that's fair enough, but when your kids are adults and you're trying to carve out a new future for yourself, you actually have to respect yourself sufficiently to be able to set boundaries and demand that they have respect for your work. Now, this can sometimes be challenging because it takes a while for the profit to come through and up until then, if you've not got money coming in each week, you can be seen as being, well, your job doesn't really matter. But even I've had to deal with a lot. And the other thing is working from home, there's that sort of school of thought that, oh, you're just there so you can be doing it. So you want to really work on your mindset and your confidence in order to be able to navigate that, the things that trip you up. So the next one is be aware that the cheapest isn't always the best. Now, so I know I'm full of contradictions, but when you are, this is more so with people trades, when you are working with various people, you want to really make sure that if you're going for someone much cheaper, that they are still able to deliver the same outcome without needing any extra manpower or money spent on it. So this is often a thing that happens where you might get a quote for something and think, oh, well, that's too much, and then go and get another quote, which is much cheaper, and go for that. When in reality, you would have been better if you stuck to the first quote and tried to get them to meet you either halfway or come down to your numbers because you end up getting someone who costs you a lot of money in the long run because they do a terrible job. You've got to bring someone in to clean it up. I've definitely been guilty of that. Or they make work for the people that you work with harder because they don't follow through and they don't do a really good job. So really make sure that you are doing good due diligence on the people that you're working with. Now, this is another important one, and this marries in with the confidence and setting boundaries. When you've got a project on, you absolutely must give it your full attention. And by that, I mean, you need to really be, don't take on other commitments. What You might be working part-time as well, and we have renovators that do that, but don't take on anything else until you've got that project done and dusted. Now, I've tried to th- do this several times. I'm not a great multitasker, so that probably doesn't help. But I've found when I've I've tried to do too much, it costs the project because you can't keep things moving as quickly as you can. You can't negotiate. You don't have the time or the bandwidth. And the other thing is, it's really hard to be creative. Actually, one of the Wonder Women reminded me this the other day. It's really hard to be creative when you're under a lot of pressure. So really try and give it your full attention. So Belinda asks, why would a trader come down to your budget if he or she has given you their price for the project? Now, if you've got a trade, so obviously it depends a lot on the market and at the moment, well, it is easing up. But once you start working with people on a regular basis, so stroke their ego, I really want to work with you, but your price isn't the cheapest. Is there any movement there? And just see what. And sometimes they do just bring their price down because when they're quoting, they include that in there. That's called risk money. They may not, but it's always worth a try. Okay. So the next one is surround yourself with ambitious people who are supportive and will challenge you. So one of the things about, I think it's, Jim Rohn, who said that your income is the, will be the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Now that, so, you know, look around at who you spend the most time with and think, is that the income that I want? And if you don't, then start stepping it up. And it might mean just going to some events and surrounding yourself with people that are playing a bigger game. Okay. I notice this makes a massive difference to my mindset. Okay. So, because then when you start associating with people that are playing a bigger game, they don't sweat the small stuff. Instead of thinking, what happens if interest rates go up a cent, they actually get into action and create a solution for it rather than just receding and thinking, oh, you know, it's too scary to move forward. So you want to really surround yourself with people that are going to support your goals. Doesn't mean that you get rid of your family and friends if they are not those people, but it means that you dilute them. Okay, so in your professional life, you create a support team that have big goals and will inspire you to challenge yourself more and to step it up. Okay. And the last one is keep your eyes and ears open for opportunity. Now, particularly now when the market is doing what it's doing, there is opportunity everywhere. And it doesn't always come from where you expect to come from. So, very rarely will you go onto realestate.com and find a project that's go you you sometimes do, but find a project that's going to absolutely deliver the, you the outcome that you're after. So, you actually do have to go out there and look at it. Actually, I went to my hairdresser yesterday and he is the king of finding opportunities and most of his opportunities he finds in his salon. He talks to people about what he's trying to achieve. And someone will say, oh, I've got a property you might be interested in. So yeah, be open to opportunity from places where you least expect it. And that's my 10th point. And I'm very proud of myself because I got through that in exactly 30 minutes. So in, if you have time to watch this or you are watching this now, I'd really love to know what's your big tip for 2023. What's the thing that you think is going to move the needle for you? Okay. So other than that, all I have to do now is to wish you a very Merry Christmas and an amazing 2023. We are having some time off, so I will not be doing a session next Thursday. I will probably be, I don't know what I'll be doing, but I'll probably be playing with my granddaughter who's staying with me at the moment, eating and drinking too much and just generally having a good time. But we will be back in the new year and we are kicking off the new year with our Women in Renovating workshop, which we did earlier last year and was very popular, so we're going to be doing that again this year. And thank you, thank you to those of you who are wishing me a Merry Christmas Great. Right. Thanks so much. I do hope that you have a lovely Christmas. Actually, before I go, I just want to share one other tip, which is something that I got from my darling mother, because I know that Christmas is a really can be a really sad time. And one of the th- things that I learned from my mum is to not have expectations around these special times we never felt the pressure to go home for christmas because there was no pressure but we used to love going home because you knew anyone that hit the door was always so welcome because she was always so pleased to see them but it was not a, a you weren't going out of a sense of obligation you were going because you loved to go and i want to encourage you to take that on whatever it is you're dealing with christmas I personally have found it very empowering and we've implemented that in our lives and just be grateful for what you do, what does turn up on Christmas Day and enjoy it. So that's it for me. Have a great year and I'll see you next year. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.